You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, TJ Stevens. Well, problematic. Out of my left earbud. Getting off to a banging start here. Joining me as always. Step ends. Dollar Bill Dave. I touch myself. I, I just need to clip that. Just Dave. <laughs> for, I touch myself. And Timmy C. <laughs> goo, goo, goo. <laughs> Dave's is awesome. And he got a new hat and a toy. <laughs> Are you drunk? Yes or no? And it's marked on the right-hand side for both. Time moment drawers get my panties wet. I love it. We've covered this butt wipe on a few different occasions. Butt wipe? You don't call people butt wipe anymore? No. I'm not I'm not seven. Good news is I've limited the producer's amount to screw us over this, so we're actually gonna get to sing along with the songs now. You are welcome. Welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, TJ Stevens. Step <laughs> Joining me as always, Dollar Bill Dave. In the house. And Timmy C. Who? Mm. So we have some things to discuss. We'll get to that in a minute. But while you're viewing and listening to this, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Wherever you get your podcast, hey, while you're at it, follow the show on Twitter at FF Podcast, on Instagram at Filter Free Podcast. Follow our network on Patreon. The Twitter handle is at Filter Free Net. You can go to www.patreon.com forward slash Filter Free and you can get a whole cacophony of things. Timmy, what are some of those things? First up, were those not things you just covered? Because you said we have some things. We'll get to those in a minute. And then you said. Well, I meant things. the new things. And oh. You're like, cacophony. Today brings a new thing. And then I, I think you about the new things. pooped your pants while you were saying cacophony. I'm going to drive to Kentucky and poop your pants. Just hurry up and talk about what we're doing here. Fine. <laughs> All right. On our Patreon, Filter Free Net, you will get shows like Legends Let's Rethink This. That's where. Any combination of us sits down with legends. We've had people such as Nick Aldis. We've had Steve Kern. We've had Larry Zabisco. We've had me. Ken Shamrock. I'm legendary. We've had Ken Shamrock. I think I could Buff take Bagwell. him. Had Buff Bagwell. I think I could take him, too. We've actually got a new one brewing in the works, but we can't announce it yet. Is it a cacophony? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Sure. In the fall, which is coming up real, real soon. I'm excited, Dave. Are you excited? So excited for football. Next month. Footballers getting paid with Tim and Dave. That's the betting show with Dave and I where we bet against the spread or against a team. I usually pick the Bengals. I usually win. What? We, we tend to pick <laughs> against the Bears. <laughs> well, that's that's. I wouldn't do that this year, though. Bears looking good. Okay. Keep keep thinking that. I'm going look to look good at what? <laughs> in, in their color rush uniforms. That's what they're going to look good in. <laughs> they look great in those uniforms. Fabulous. 
You will also get Evolution of Evil, where the step ins and another cast of our or character of our cast, I guess, the fun director, Justin Yent, which you'll find more about him as we go on. If you're just joining us, coming up real soon, hopefully. The fun director. They get together with usually our friend Amy joins them and they discuss murders. We do. We Weird do. murders, yes. usually. So let's see, as this airs, we just did uh, Dennis Nilsson, the serial killer from Britain. Thought he was a pitcher for the twins. No. Um, it was Dennis Erickson. Never mind. It was Dennis. That's Why Tommy do you, Roberson. You always bring up, actually, I'm pretty sure it's Craig Erickson for one thing. No. I think, I think Dennis Erickson was the. Was he the coach of the Hurricane? <laughs> he might have been the coach of Miami. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Eric Erickson. Uh, sure, him too. Anyway, you will also get Wrestling with Commercials, which is our newest side project where any combination of us three, usually Dave's ringleading that, and we watched some old commercials from the 80s or 90s back when I was a child and they were not born. And we critique it and laugh at it a lot. Chin Jim. Plus, if you're just joining us, we tend to do a lot of Midwestern wrestling where we will go to independent shows. Uh, we have bus rides sometimes. Uh, we buy sweets. We love to buy sweets. We In do. Fact, we generally don't go to wrestling if we don't have a sweet. Correct. Unless it's independent wrestling. Yeah, well, they, they don't that. have sweets there. We are, we are big proponents of independent wrestling. They have S W E E T S suites, mm. not not S U I T E S. Jurassic Park Nestle Crunch Bars. Correct. <laughs> May like <laughs> in July. It says expired nineteen ninety five. I don't think so. I don't oh. think it expires. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like a Twinkie. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> so, welcome to everyone that is just now joining us. So this is this is our debut episode with the Premier Streaming Network slash Premier Podcast Network. We could not be happier to uh, be on board here. And if you're unfamiliar with us, um, we do a show where we will go back in time and we cover a wrestling show. And then we also cover all the pop culture, news, sports, movies, music of the era. Kind of really cement you in time uh, that we're covering. And uh, yeah, you'll learn more about us as we go on. We're three military veterans, and uh, we're just nerds that like wrestling and sports and making people laugh. That's what we do. We sing poorly. Well, you do. You do. We we. I'm really good. Talk about movies. We yes, and I'm really good at the movie game. Oh, we also have three games we play every week. So there's box score trivia, which is me. I pilot the uh, box score trivia game. And also on occasion, we will have special shows where you, the fans, will have the chance to beat me in box score trivia, and I'm one and one for the record. Uh, Timmy C, we do Timmy's Triviochi, some music trivia, and then we have Dave's Faves, the movie trivia. All those in one show. Where do we find the time? What more could you ask for? I mean, my goodness. So it's I like I, going back in time. I think we've put ourselves over enough. Do you think we should get started? I think you could probably put me over a little more. I mean, I, I wasn't talking about you specifically. Oh, my, my bad. 
<laughs> All right. Tim here has we go. crooked fingers. He does. Yeah. Here we go. This week, we're going back to... August 15th, 1992. We're going to watch some WWF superstars. But first, let's run through some events. Filter free up first. Stories that missed the cut. These are the stories that shook the world, but just missed our show. August 15th, Tom Seaver, Raleigh Fingers, Hal Newhauser, and Bill McGowan are all voted into the MLB Hall of Fame. We would cover this, but we've covered Tom Seaver and Raleigh Fingers in previous episodes. For the record, Seavers is in the Hall of Fame as a Met. Wrong. Cincinnati Reds legend, Tom Seaver. Just for you. I know you did, Jack. Also, um, we're going to do a thing also where uh, we're thinking about just starting over now with our topics on Premiere. Because obviously you all haven't heard all of them. So there's that. August 3rd, Unforgiven, starring Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman, and Gene Hackman, premieres in Los Angeles. August 5th, the four officers involved in the Rodney King beatings were acquitted on charges stemming from the incident. We've covered this in great detail on a few different episodes from our past. August 6th, the U.S. track team cleans up at the Olympics, led by Carl Lewis, as Lewis wins the gold medal in the long jump with a staggering 28 feet Five and a half inch long jump. Was he a cokehead too? I mean, if he was, that's news to me. I'm pretty sure he was. I had to do sure something to jump that far. We didn't research this before you blurted it out. We just <laughs> Definitely, allegedly, a cokehead. Wow, I haven't heard that in a long time. Definitely, allegedly. August 7th. Didn't realize this story was a thing. The San Francisco Giants announced the sale of the team and imminent move to Tampa but the move is blocked by other investors. I didn't know that. August 7th, the number one NBA draft pick Shaquille O'Neal signs with the Orlando Magic. Normally, this would be a story in the wheelhouse, but a much bigger story bumped it off this week. That ended abruptly. You guys are talkative. August 8th, former show topic and Detroit Tigers legend Lou Whitaker hits home run number 200 in his career. Did it land at the Hot Rocks Cafe? I would bet money on it. I'll Hmm. find out. Are you still going to SummerSlam, Timmy? I am. I'm taking my daughter to SummerSlam. I don't think I'm taking her to the Hot Rocks Cafe because I don't want to see her shot. I would not do that. Is that that next weekend? Mm. It's next weekend. Yes, when this drops, it'll be next weekend. August 10th, world-renowned piece-of-shit Austrian SS doctor at the Mauthausen-Gusen concentration camp known as Dr. Death, dies at the age of 78. Was there a cacophony at the Mothausen Goosen? That's a I, lot of big a lot of big words you're using today. You've pulled the I vocabulary thought Dr. Death out, was in WCW. That was Mid-South. Diff- different guy, though. Much different guy. August 11th, Oakland A's outfielder Jose Canseco gets publicly ripped by management for leaving the stadium before the game was over. Whoa, whoa. It was actually Ozzy, his twin brother, that left early. They just thought it was Jose. Hmm. That's what I would have told him. Yeah, I'm sure that would have worked. I'm I'm pretty sure that Jose Canseco signed up for like some celebrity boxing matches and sent Ozzy to his place. 
No, he said Ozzy in his place. He got beat up by a skinny barstool sports guy. Yeah. Nine, 90 10 split. Ozzy take the fall. <laughs> August 12th, Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. compete, compete, complete negotiations for the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA. Naf- NAFTA. August 13th, we're only halfway through the month. Clifford Allison, the son of Bobby Allison, dies at practice at Michigan Speedway at the age of 27. As we mentioned uh, on an episode last month of July, Davy Allison would die one year later. Big Red Dog. That was his nickname. Anyone named Clifford has to have the nickname Big Red Dog. That was Clifford Robinson's nickname. I remember that. It was also Clifford Allison. If you're a Clifford... You get Big Red Dog as your nickname. That's what we called my friend Clifford Johnson, Big Red Dog. I'll, I'll run with it. It's my cousin. <laughs> Which one? All of them. Any Clifford is my I'm cousin. I'm related to all Clifford. <laughs> <laughs> August 13th, ABC News producer David Kaplan is shot and killed in Sarajevo. August 17th. Standing there. <laughs> is that Gabe's brother? Gabe Kaplan? Yeah. Maybe. Tampa Rays legend, Gabe Kaplan. <laughs> August 17th, Kevin Gross of the Dodgers pitches the only no-hitter of the entire season. That's gross. That, that's wild. Actually, no, he, he wasn't wild. He probably he didn't throw a accurate. wild pitch. Yeah, he was probably incredibly accurate, but that's crazy. August 18th, Francis Bean Cobain is born in Los Angeles. We've talked about her before on this show. She smells like teen spirit. You know what? I see what you did there. That was a good joke. That's see, Timmy. That's what a good joke feels like. You're learning. Okay. <laughs> August twentieth, Demi Lovato was born in Albuquerque. She smells like sweet, sweet poutine. Uh? No, nope, we're back. Tim, old Timmy's back. August twenty third, Dennis Eckersley of the Oakland A's becomes the first pitcher ever to record forty saves in four different seasons. This originally was in the cut, but got bumped for a much bigger non-sports story. More on that in a bit. That's kind of surprising. I would think that, like, maybe Goose, Lee Smith or... Goose Gossage came to mind immediately for me. Cincinnati Reds legend John Franco. John Rocker. Was good for, like, 20 minutes. And was yeah. after this. So it would have been impossible for him to record it first. <laughs> August 24th. The first structural beams go up for the new Jacobs Field in Cleveland. For some reason, in the first season of this show, we covered uh, this and the construction of the Rock and Hall of Fame a lot. And I don't know why they built them at the same time. That's weird to me. They got a deal. It was a two-for-one deal. Remember, they had the beer sales deal. Oh, that's right. That's Wow, look at you guys. I'm proud of you. August 24th, speaking of Cleveland... The Browns suffer the team's worst preseason loss in team history, 56-3 to in Minnesota. That's surprising. How? How do you lose a preseason game 56-3? to I'm surprised, that when that, the, I'm surprised that's their worst preseason loss. Remember when the Redskins hired Steve Spurrier and he was running up scoring everybody in the preseason and they're like, yes. this is going to be the greatest football team ever, and then the real season happened? They were, they were trash. It's easy Florida to score games, on vanilla so. defense. Kind of like when the uh, – the Eagles assembled the dream team in what was that, 2011? And they got like Tebow and Vince Young. I was on that team and they got all these guys and they were just trash. That sounds like a terrible team. Tebow and Vince Young and 
I think it. I think it was Vic, and the starting quarterback was Bob Carter. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> had Sean Alexander in the backfield. I think it was Vic Tebow and Emmett Vince Young Smith. with the three quarterbacks. Emmitt Smith. Emmitt Smith. Yeah, sure. Fresh off Emmett's his little brother season with the Cardinals. Herschel Walker. Emmitt's little was brother there. Clifford Smith. That's my T- cousin. Tom Waddle was one of their wide receivers. He was fifty-one. <laughs> Chris Collinsworth came out the booth to play. Yeah. For him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. When you said coming out the booth, it reminded me of Toll Booth Willie from Adam Sandler. <laughs> it was the it was the Fever Dream Team. Is what I'm was. coming out the booth. <laughs> August 29th. You two plays the first of two sold out shows at Yankee Stadium. You two boring. You two. August 31st. Northern Exposure and Christopher Lloyd both win awards at the 44th Emmy Awards. I wonder what Christopher Lloyd won it for. In 1992. I know he used to write for the Golden Girls. Could that be? Not in 92. I don't think it ran seven seasons. Because they started in 85. The Golden Girls. Yeah, so their final... Well, I mean, if their final season was 91, he would have won an award for it in 92. Maybe. They started dying off after that. The show was boring. Golden Girls? Yes. I didn't stutter. That's not true. Uh, you're incorrect. That's terrible. I've only seen like three episodes. It's one of Justin's favorite shows. It's a great show. It is a great show. Estelle Getty, underrated comedian. <laughs> I think you're secretly in love with Estelle Getty because you mentioned her too. every time you bring the show up. She was fantastic in Mannequin. <laughs> she was <laughs> She was fantastic in Mannequin. <laughs> I, I love that movie. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> <laughs> With Kim Cattrall, love mannequin. Every, everyone just turned off. They're like, nope, mannequin reference guys we're out. anymore. <laughs> Golden Girls and Mannequin, I'm out. Correct. And to end the month, August 31st, a dynamite explosion kills 500 people in the Philippines inside of a mine. Shouldn't have been AEW in there. Oh. And that. Was box score trivia? Let's go, box score trivia. That was stories of me. Mis- <laughs> up, up next, stories in the wheelhouse. August eighth, Metallica frontman James Hetfield suffers second and third degree burns in Montreal after a pyrotechnics explosion while he was performing on stage. You cannot discuss the hard rock and metal industry without mentioning Metallica, and you can't mention nineteen nineties music in general without them as well. Metallica started. In 1981, with James Hetfield, there's a hair in my eye, Lars Ulrich, Hughes Tanner, and Dave Mustaine. There's a lot of hair in their eyes, too. Yes, that's true. In 1982, the band added Cliff Burton, who would be featured in the albums Kill Em All in 1983, Ride the Lightning in 84. Ride the Lightning came out in 84. Yeah, you're old. That's Wait cr- a minute, you weren't born. I wasn't born yet. I was born the next year. I was. And Master of Puppets in 86. Now I was born before his untimely death on September 27th, 1986. While riding on the tour bus just before 7 a.m., the bus lost control and skidded off the E4 highway in Junby, Sweden. The bus then flipped onto its side, and the sleeping Burton was thrown off his bunk and threw a window into the grass. The bus then flipped on top of him, crushing him and killing him. He was only 24 years old. Burton was replaced by Jason Newstead, who was with the band until 2001. Here in 1992... Metallica was touring with Guns N' Roses and was performing at Olympic Stadium in Montreal. During the show, there was some confusion with the new pyro setup, 
This confusion led to James Hetfield walking into a <clears throat> 12-foot flame ball while Metallica was performing their hit Fade to Black. I'm going to repeat that. He walked into a 12-foot fireball. Jason Newstead said that Hetfield's skin was bubbling like the Toxic Avenger. Hetfield received severe burns all over his body, but just 17 days later, he was back on stage with John Marshall, stepping in on lead guitar. Half-pound aluminum powder charges were to be used during Metallica's performance, and the explosives were situated at the front of the stage as well on its outside wings. As Fade to Black builds, Hetfield suddenly becomes unsure of the stage position, which fiercely hot plumes of colored flames burst all around him. Hetfield later stated, I'm a little confused on where I'm supposed to be, and then the pyro guy doesn't see me, and whoosh, a big color flame right up under me. I'm burnt, my arm, my hand, completely down to the bone, the side of my face, hair's gone, part of my back. I watched the skin just rising, all of these things going wrong. With the set cut short, Ulrich explained the situation to the confused crowd while Hetfield was rushed backstage and taken to the hospital. As crew and security bustled around him, someone accidentally brushed up against the singer and bumped into his burnt hand. Mm. I remember I just lost it, recalled Hetfield. I screamed and punched him right in the nuts. It's a hell of a reaction. I guess my question would be, why did someone have to explain what happened to the crowd? Did you not see the singer go up in flames? Yeah, you, did you see the not fire part, part of the show? Not part of the show. That was a whoops. That was a whoopsie yeah. on our part. <laughs> Throw us some whoopsie daisies. <laughs> Back at the stadium, Guns N' Roses refused to bring their stage time forward to help compensate for Metallica's shortened set. When they finally took the stage two hours after Metallica had finished their show, two hours, people were sitting there. That's crazy. Gee, if I were at a concert and no band was playing, what would I be doing? A- anything else. Drinking burr. Mm. I'd be drinking heavily, and then it would get ugly. Well, <laughs> let's get to that, shall we? So they took the stage two hours after they managed a scant nine songs before an irate Axl Rose abandoned ship, citing his faulty sound system and telling the crowd, in case anybody here is interested, this will be our last show for a long time. Too bad it wasn't. Assholes. The crowd, no doubt feeling a little shortchanged by the evening's events, began a riot, overturning concession stands and setting fire to garbage cans before spilling out into the city streets, torching cars, overturning a police cruiser, and even uprooting a street lamp. Do you know how many people have to be helping to uproot a street lamp? It's like the Canadians won the Stanley Cup or something. Right? Except it was much worse. Or Sami Zayn doesn't beat Roman Reigns. Yeah. Damage was estimated at $400,000. That's American, not Canadian, because 400000 Canadians like... $8. They broke a light or something. <laughs> With 10 people injured and at least half a dozen people arrested. The remaining members of Metallica found themselves held backstage for their own safety, nixing any idea of heading to the hospital to check on Hetfield. They finally made it back onto Montreal's subdued streets at 4.30 a.m. the next morning. What kind of low-life trash do you have to be to not be able to read this situation and react appropriately? Because you reacted completely inappropriately. Yes. And what I love is, this is Guns N' Roses in 1992. 
Yeah, I'm going not, to see him in August in Nashville. I, not 1988. I still like him. I still want to see him play. You would. August Alator lookalike Axel Rose. Yeah. I don't care if it sounds great. I'll, I'm in. It's not going to sound great, but you. Well, have apparently, to. in Montreal, did not. <laughs> we did it barely sounded at all in Montreal. <laughs> well, speaking of, uh, I would love to watch them play August eighth. This uh, this opinion is not even arguable. The single greatest collection of players for any team in any sport ever win the gold medal in Barcelona as the dream team crush everybody on the way to the gold. I don't know. That that 2004 team that lost to Argentina was pretty good. Right. I'll say the last half of your sentence proved the point. <laughs> lost to Argentina. This team was put together due to several factors, which started in 1988. The U.S. team, which had players like David Robinson, Danny Manning, and Mitch Richmond, won the bronze medal in the 88 Olympics, but lost to the Soviet Union, which was led by Arvidas Sabonis, who led the Soviets to the gold. This was the last Olympic team that consisted of college players for the U.S. Then at the 1990 FIBA championship, the U.S. lost to Yugoslavia in the semifinals, and they also lost at the 1991 Pan Am Games to Puerto Rico. Lost on our home turf. That's terrible. Yeah. The U.S. then got serious after the FIBA rules changed that allowed NBA players to play in the Olympics. The U.S. didn't get one or two players. They had 11 Hall of Famers and Christian Leitner, and that's <laughs> not a slight on Christian Leitner. Do you no, because know- he was coming out of college at Duke, and he was the number one player in the country. So. And he had a very good NBA career. Do you know who they jettisoned for him? No. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, um, the, num- the number one pick in the draft that year. Uh, well, they also didn't let Isaiah Thomas on the team. We'll yes. come back to that. Okay. Of the 12 players on the team, 10 of them were named in the 50 greatest players list in 1996. Who was the other one besides Leitner that didn't get there? Uh, I'm going to... I'm going. We're going to go through the lineup here in a minute. I'm going to guess it was Chris Mullen, out of all the players. That'd be my guess. So here is the list. Uh, at center, they had David Robinson and Patrick Ewing. Yes, please. At power forward, they had Christian Leitner, Charles Barkley, and Carl Malone. At small forward, they had Larry Bird. It was this was his swan song, Scottie Pippen, and Chris Mullen. At shooting guard, they had some guy named Michael Jordan and Clyde Drexler with Magic Johnson and John Stockton at the point. This team combined for 23 NBA titles and 15 NBA MVP awards. Now, keep in mind, Barkley, Mullen, Stockton, Malone, Leitner, and Ewing never won a title. Well, to be fair, Jordan won, like, most of those. Six. Well, Jordan and Pippen combined won 12. It's 12. Yeah. But then Robinson got yeah, what, all two? these games. Robinson got two. Yeah. All these games were laughable. And we will never witness another dominating performance like this ever again. Because USA's won the last couple of gold medals, but it hadn't been easy on them. No. Well, and to be fair, the game is more global now. European players yeah, are absolutely. dominating the NBA. Yep. The 1992 Dream Team defeated its opponents by an average, an average of 44 points in route to their gold medal, 
easily dispatching Croatia in the gold medal game by a score of 117 to 85. That's close. Sure. Sure. The United States got their Olympic gold dream started against Angola, winning by 68 points in the first game. Charles Barkley actually led the way for the Dream Team, averaging 18 points per game, followed by Michael Jordan with 14.9 and Carl Malone with 13. This team would literally destroy any other team you could ever put on a basketball court. Absolutely. If you like took right, today's right best now, players, probably. Probably. You <laughs> took today's best players and matched them up against this 92 Dream Team, and it wouldn't even be close. Because these guys actually played defense. Correct. I'm trying to think. I I don't know. I don't know if a 62 year old Jordan could take Giannis. It'd be close though. <laughs> I'm really excited to see Wembenyama start playing next year. I think he's going to be amazing. I'm not excited to see that. I'm that excited to see like him. a stick. He's going to tear. He's going to tear his Achilles three minutes into the season. That's that's real nice. I'm. What a dick. I seen it before. I seen it several times. Zion Williamson and he weighed 270. Yeah. It happens to all gods, but Zion Sean, Sean Bradley. How how'd that turn out? Sean Bradley? Yeah. Sean Bradley, I don't think he ever got hurt. Huh? He'll never be as good as Manute Bowl. He's just seven foot six. Okay. He just stood there. Anyway, let's but get back to that. This Isaiah new kid Thomas is guy. literally weighs like a buck twelve. <laughs> a buck twelve. What's he made of? Bone. It's just a skeleton. And marrow. Mark. Mark marrow. Marrow. There was speculation that Isaiah Thomas was not part of the team because Jordan would participate only if Thomas was not on the roster. Smart move. At the time, it was widely believed that Jordan did not like Thomas because he was seen as the ringleader of the bad boy Detroit Pistons who loved to rough up everybody. In his 2012 book, Dream Team, author Jack McCollum quotes Jordan as saying to the Team USA Selection Committee member, Rod Thorne, quote, Rod, I don't want to play if Isaiah Thomas is on the team. In 2020, Thorne and Jordan denied directly mentioning Thomas's name in discussions. The key word there is directly. According to Jordan, the documentary series, The Last Dance, he asked Thorne, who I was playing to which Thorne responded. The guy you're thinking about is not going to be playing directly. Mm. After the selection of the first 10 members of the team, Johnson released an official statement in support of Thomas, but years later it was discovered that his support was less than enthusiastic. Even magic didn't want him on there. Right. And magic likes everybody hated him. Yeah. In the book, when the game was ours, magic said, Quote, Isaiah killed his own chances when it came to the Olympics. Nobody on that team wanted to play with him. I'm guessing Christian Leitner probably would have played with him. Probably. Also, we I said, read a I funny up- story. I read a funny story back in the day. Clyde Drexler was in his hotel room with his wife. and His wife was sleeping, and he had to get up for practice. So he grabbed two shoes and went to practice. And when he got to practice, he realized he had he had grabbed two left tennis shoes, <laughs> and had to play practice that day for two hours, 
with a left sneaker on his right foot. Ooh, <laughs> that's it's great for, it's great that for your arch. terrible. But I mean, to be fair, you're at the top of your profession. There should be somebody there that can get you a damn right sneaker. Yeah. <laughs> or a whole new pair. Just saying. Um, also, I looked up Sean Bradley's career numbers. He got hurt a lot, it turns out. But <laughs> Well, when you said he never got hurt, I was like, excuse me? And also, it should be mentioned, he might have the greatest nickname in the history of sports. Do you guys ever hear his nickname? The Stormin Mormon. Sloth. Yeah. <laughs> the Stormin Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, what were those career numbers? Points, assists, rebounds? For Bradley? Yeah. I'm not, uh, not I don't, uh, I don't know. They're not good. 2.2. He, he was really good at blocks. When he was in the game. But... I think since we're talking about numbers and t- statistics of Sean Bradley, I think it's time for Boxer Trivia. But today, I'm the greatest of all time. Here we go. We're going to start our premier streaming network debut box for trivia with some NBA. This is 1991-92 season. We're going to start with points per game. We'll see Michael Jordan of the top 20. Michael Jordan led the league 30.1. There's one. Larry Bird. Larry Bird. No. Malone. Clyde Drexler. Carl Malone second with 28 even. Cried, cried. Clyde Drexler fourth <laughs> with 25. So there's Barkley. Three. Charles Barkley, eighth of the Philadelphia 76ers at the time, 23.1. There's four. Uh, Manute Bull, 3.2 points per game. <laughs> Sean Bradley. <laughs> now, how would you feel if Sean Bradley was on this list? I mean, he isn't, but how would you feel? I would <laughs> I would laugh my ass off. There's no chance. Uh let's see. Uh David Robinson. David Robinson, seventh, 23.2. Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing. Believe it. Oh, yep. Number five. The 24. There's what did I say? Five? That's six now. Six? We need two more. Uh was Mullen on there? Chris Mullen, third, 25.6. One more. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. No. He'd be he'll be on the assist category. Um I love that you're assuming there's gonna be an assist category. Pippin? Scotty Pippin, 14th. Oh, that's at close. 21. Here's the rest of your top 20 or NBA's top 20. Oh. Everyone else is top 10. Damn, killed it. At number 20, Jeff Hornacek of the Phoenix Suns. Oh, that was Old my Hol- next guess. Old horny. Number 19, Jeff Malone. 18, Kendall Gill. Lots of Jeffs. Lots of Jeffs. Number 17, Drazen Petrovic. 16th, Indiana Pacers legend Reggie Miller. 
15th, Reggie Lewis. I forget Reggie Miller. Lots of Reggies on this list, too. Reggie Lewis at 15. Number 13, NASCAR legend Brad Daughtery. 12th, Hakeem the Dream. That's right. Hakeem the Dream, the larger one. Houston legend. Number 11, Ricky Pierce of the Seattle Supersonics. Who? Yes. Number 10, Glenn Rice of the Miami Miami Heat Heat. legend. Yeah. Number nine, Mitch Richmond. And uh, you... The only two people in the top 10 you did not get other than Glenn Rice and Richmond is number six, Tim Hardaway of the Golden oh, State Warriors. Junior? And, yeah. No, junior. yeah, junior, not head. And then number four, <laughs> Clyde Drexler of the Portland Trailblazers. The Glide. The Glide. I Let's said Clyde to- Drexler, dummy. Did you? I we did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you said but, Clyde. Oh, I mean Clyde. Yeah, that, 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 yeah you're right. So let's go to rebounds per game. This one's a little bit tougher. We'll go five here. David Robinson. David Robinson. Number four. Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing. Number eight. Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman led the league 18.7 rebounds per game. Horace Grant. Horace Grant. Number, I did see him on here. Where did he go? Number 14 with 10. Carl Malone. Carl Malone. Now we're just doing extra credit. Ninth, 11 point. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley. Round mound or rebound? Number 10, 11.1. Look That's at us six. killing it. Did we four. say David Robinson? Yeah, you we did. Said David. That was the first one. Here's the rest of your top 20. Robert John Parrish. <laughs> Robert Parrish. <laughs> Chris Dudley was not a name I expected to see the on any list. Dudley boy. Terry Cummings at number 18. Number 17, somehow in 1992, Moses Malone is on this list of the Milwaukee Bucks. Carrying the stone tablets with him. Yes. Number 16, former show topic, A.C. Green. Timmy was very upset because he had no controversies in his life. No, terrible human being. He actually played as a Laker as a virgin, which is incredibly impressive. Number 15, Detlef Schrempf of the Indiana Pacers. Number 13, Brad Daughtery. NASCAR legend. NASCAR legend. Number 12, Otis Thorpe. Number 11, Grandmama, Larry Johnson. Ooh, that would have been his rookie year. Alonzo Mourning. Number seven, Greg Anderson of the Denver Nuggets. Number six, Miami Heat legend, Ronnie Cycli. Ronnie. It's Ronnie. Okay, sure. Number five. Number three, Dikembe Mutombo of the Denver Nuggets. And number two, Kevin Willis of the Atlanta Hawks. 15 and a half rebounds per game. Here's our final category. I went off the beaten path. Three-point field goal percentage. Reggie Miller. For 1992. Let's see if you can get four. Reggie Miller. I don't see him. That's weird. I don't Craig like Hodges. Sean Bradley. Sean, Sean Bradley. Bradley. <laughs> Craig Hodges, no. Larry Bird. Rex Grossman. No. Larry true. Bird was eighth at 41%. You say Rex Grossman? <laughs> that was too soon. Sexy Isaiah, Rexy. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. No. Stockton? There are some solid names on this list. No. Charles Barkley. No. 
I didn't have Jordan. to look. I know he's not on Jordan. Here. He went, hey, Charles Barkley went seven of eight for three three pointers in the Olympics. Just saying that's 875. Michael Jordan is a historically terrible three point shooter. Yeah. Jordan was never in the. Yeah, you couldn't pick assists because that would be too easy. We had to go three points. That's why I picked three point field goal percentage. I'm surprised you didn't do personal fouls. (laughs) Is that that on here? We know Rodman would have won that one. Um, Uh, Three. Kevin, what's his name for the Phoenix Suns? Kevin Johnson. Nope. Kevin Johnson. There There is a son on here, but it's not him. Detlef Shrimp. Detlef Shrimp, no. Uh, the white dude on the bu- the Bulls, John Paxson. He wasn't around yet. John Paxson. John Paxson was around, yeah. but he's not on the list. <sighs> Jeff Hornacek. John Paxson was on all three of the first three three P teams. Jeff Hornacek of the Phoenix Suns, number three. Hey, forty three point nine percent. There is another guy, Chris Mullen, from the Suns. So you got two. You got Hornacek and you got Bird. Chris Mullen. No. Hmm. All right. I mean, See, we need. Well, you need two, but I'm going to say one. John Stark. <sighs> John Starks. No. Did somebody say John Stockton? I did. Okay. Well, he's number seven. Hey. So you got three. So you still need one more, regardless. Um. Carlton Fisk. There's, ah, this is one from the past. Did Ricky Henderson show up in the NBA this year? He might have. By the way, I wanted to say this when the, when your intro came. Congratulations, Ricky Henderson, for making the Hall of Fame. Yes, indeed. Weird it took so long. And Sparkers ha- is, Sparkers we'll, is a giant douche. We'll come back to it in just a second. I have another question about that Hall of Fame class. Um, um, all right, one more guess each. Audio is complete. Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler. No. Damn it. Robert Ory. Robert Ory. No. So okay. here is your top 20. At number 20 of the Phoenix Suns, Dan Marley. Ah, oh. Thunder. Thunder. Number 19, Mitch Richmond. NASCAR legend. No. no. Richmond is legendary the, in NASCAR. The track, yes. Number 18, Rolando Blackman of the Dallas Mavericks. Number 17, Matt Bullard. Oh, how'd we miss him? How'd you miss Bullard? <laughs> Matt Bullard, legend. Number 16, Mark Price of the I've Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, we should have gotten him. Number 15, Paul Graham of the Atlanta Hawks. Everyone remembers him. Billy's brother. Yep. Number 14, Glenn Rice of the Miami Heat. Ah, oh, yeah, he was good at shooting threes. Number That's pretty much all he was known for. Number 13, Kenny Smith. TNT legend, Kenny Smith. Number 12, Terry Porter of the Portland Trailblazers. Number 11, Brad Lowhouse of the Milwaukee Bucks. Who? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that one. Brad High, Brad High, Brad Highhouse's cousin. Okay. Number 10, Hershey Hawkins. Love his chocolate. No. Number nine, Dale Curry. I heard of him. The oh, dad of Steph Curry. Stephen's dad. Number six, Craig Elo. You could have given me a decade. I wouldn't have guessed Craig Elo. 
I, I mean, I'd have got it. him before I got. Somebody. I kept, I kept thinking of old white guys, and I just was drawing a blank. Well, you miss Elo because he. I was just kept like, saying Larry Bird, Larry Bird. Michael Jordan kicked him in the nose one time. He did. He did. Jordan, <laughs> Jordan, like went out of his way to just embarrass Craig Elo. It seemed like. <laughs> Number five, Dale Ellis. Number four, Mike Iuzolino. O- I don't know how he we didn't had get that him. one. Number two, Drazen Petrovic. Heard of oh. And he number sucks. one of the Seattle Supersonics, Dana Barros. 45%. I love her good. in National Lampoon's Vacation. Dana okay. Barron. Dana Barrett was the lady in Ghostbusters. No, Dana Barron was the lady, was the child. Actor. I didn't say you were wrong. I'm saying Dana Barrett was the lady in Ghostbusters. Lots of Danas. Both things can be true. Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey was a lady on SNL. And by the way, he led the league in three-point percentage. Uh, Dana, Dana Carvey. Carvey was a man. I know, Isn't that I, special? I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. <laughs> it's just we kept saying ladies, so I just said lady. Schwing. Schwing. August 22nd, FBI sniper Lon Horiochi. Hori- Easy for you to say. Yeah, I'd definitely butcher that. Kills... <laughs> Corey Vicky Uchi. Weaver, after an kills, 11-day standoff at her home. Kills Vicky Weaver. <laughs> no, I said that one right. Shut up. There's a lot to get into here, and unfortunately, due to the amount of detail in the story, we can't cover it all. So on the next episode of Evolution of Evil that I cover, I'll be doing all the inner workings here of Ruby Ridge. Let's just hammer out some details here. A former U.S. Army soldier, Randy Weaver, moved his wife and four kids from Iowa to Idaho to homeschool their kids and remove them from what he, he and his wife saw as a corrupt world. Yes, and Iowa. To pinnacle, Idaho. Pinnacle of corruption, Iowa. Lack of people does not mean it's not corrupt. It All this damn corn. People. I need more corn and potatoes. I need potatoes, not corn. In 1978, Vicky kept having dreams of living on a mountaintop and also believed that the apocalypse was approaching. The family then sold their belongings and bought 20 acres of land in Ruby Ridge in 1983 and built a cabin that was completely off the grid. There was then some land disagreements between the Weavers and their neighbor. Now, mind you, they bought 20 acres. How close is their neighbor, Terry Kinnison? Oh! Not Sam Kinnison, but I mean, how are you going to have land disputes over 20 acres? (laughs) The bitterness <laughs> led to the Weavers calling the FBI and the AT- called the FBI and the ATF against their neighbor Kennison, stating that Kennison had sent threatening letters and told the Weavers aloud that he wanted to kill Pope John Paul II, Ronald Reagan, and Idaho Governor John Evans. Over the next six years, the FBI, through confidential informants, had tied the Weavers and Kennison to Aryan Nation hate groups, arms dealers and a lot of other shady activities. This whole story is so bizarre. Correct. And Vicki Weaver wasn't the only casualty of this mess. The standoff started one day earlier when Marshalls encountered Randy Weaver and his friend Kevin Harris and Weaver's son Sammy, who ultimately ended up in a firefight with federal agents after Weaver's dog was shot and killed. To go along with the dog, uh, 14-year-old Sammy Weaver was killed, as was U.S. US Marshal William Francis Deegan. Before negotiators arrived at the cabin 
FBI sniper Lon Horucci from a position of 220 yards north and above the Weaver cabin shot Randy Weaver in the back while he was lifting the latch to the shed his dead son Sammy was in. As Randy, his daughter Sarah, and friend Kevin ran back towards the cabin, Horiuchi fired a second shot, wounding Harris, but also striking and killing Vicki Weaver, who was standing behind the door of the cabin when Harris entered, as she was holding her 10-month-old child. Yes. Weaver and Harris were charged with a variety of offenses and were ultimately acquitted of all charges except one charge on Weaver that he incurred after he missed his original court date and the charge of violating his bail conditions. There is so much more to unpack here with this story. Yes. Correct. Let's talk about the real tragedy, the one that led up to this. Following a flyover by a hired helicopter for Geraldo Rivera's Now It Can Be Told television show on April 18, 1992, the U.S. Marshal Service received media reports that Weaver had shot at the helicopter. That day in Idaho, U.S. Marshals were installing surveillance cameras overlooking the Weaver property. The field report for April 18, 1992, filed by Marshal W. Warren Mays, reported seeing a helicopter near the Weaver property, but not that any shots were heard. Media reports that Weaver had fired on the Rivera helicopter became part of a justification later cited by the U.S. Marshal Wayne Duke Smith, which is a great name for a Marshal Duke. Yes. And FBI... I don't know what HRT stands for, yes. but he was the commander of it. Richard Rogers, which is a perfect FBI name, in drawing up Ruby Ridge Rules of Engagement on August 21st and 22nd, 1992. Also, in spite of Weiss's repeated denials that shots had been fired at his helicopter, Hohen charged that as overt Act 32 of Weaver's conspiracy against the federal government, Randy, Vicky, and Harris fired two shots at the Rivera helicopter. All right, guys, the real tragedy here is that they, if they fired at it, they didn't hit the helicopter. And two, that Geraldo was not in that helicopter had it been hit. <laughs> this story's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, and I mean, th- this is literally the glossary details of it. Can we talk about Geraldo and how crazy his life has been? Do we have to? I mean, got hit hit in the face with a chair during a KKK <clears throat> segment on his show. His helicopter was fired on here in 92. He went to look at uh, the, the tomb of, yeah, the safe, and there's nothing in it. Al Capone's safe. Well, listen, if you, uh, if you, pedal shit your entire life you're bound to fall in it once in a while and he did it a lot too bad he wasn't in that helicopter (laughs) oh another tragedy here august 24th one of the worst worst natural disasters in united states history occurs as hurricane andrew hits south florida how bad was it to this day it is considered to be the seventh most intense tropical storm to hit the united states as measured by landfall central pressure at the time of its landfall, it was third behind only Hurricane Camille in 1969 and a hurricane that touched down on Labor Day in 1935. Now, Hurricane U2 in 2018, Michael, which was also in 2018, Katrina in 05, and Marina in 2017 have passed Andrew. 
the three behind Andrew in the top 10 happened in 1886, 1900, and 1919, respectively. So I think what we're driving home here, it was very infrequent until 2018, and it's happened, or 2017, it's happened three times since. The storm began as a tropical wave moved off the west coast of Africa on August 14th. The high pressure that was caused by this wave followed it as the wave built up speed as it headed west. This then created an area of convection as it moved south of the Cape Verde Islands. Luckily, um, it's Cape, I know. Luckily, <laughs> as the storm moved north, wind shear actually prevented it from becoming stronger. But as the shear decreased and it, as it progressed to landfall, it gained momentum at a rapid pace and was declared a tropical storm on August 17th. Initially, storm experts predicted that the storm had encountered enough wind shear that the storm would uh, dissolve, and initial investigations even showed that. However, the top of the storm maintained severe pressure, and as Andrew moved towards the United States, the storm shifted west, and the eye of the storm was created on August 22nd. The next day, low barometric pressure allowed the storm to build to a Category 5, with winds approaching 175 miles an hour, and that has been your weather dork segment of this show. While Hurricane Andrew caused major damage in the Bahamas and Louisiana, the greatest impact was felt in South Florida, where the sto storm made landfall as a Category 5 hurricane with one-minute sustained wind speeds as high as 165 miles an hour and wind gusts as high as 174 miles an hour. That is absolutely insane. Can you that really tell the difference in that? If like, no. Oh, that wind just kicked up from 165 to 174. To this day, Hurricane Andrew is the most destructive hurricane to ever hit Florida in terms of structures damaged or destroyed. Passing directly through the cities of Cutler Bay and Homestead in Dade County, Hurricane Andrew stripped many homes of all but their concrete foundations and caused catastrophic damage. In total, Andrew destroyed more than 63,000 houses, damaged more than 124,000 others, and caused... In 1992 money, $27.3 billion in damage and left 65 people dead. After the season had ended, the World Meteorological Organization RA4 Hurricane Committee retired the name Andrew from the list of future names for Atlantic tropical cyclones due to its impact and damage and replaced it with Alex. The name Andrew will never again be used for an, another Atlantic hurricane. Throughout the areas affected, almost 177,000 people were left homeless. And that's in Louisiana, Florida, and the Bahamas. The storm damaged 241 oil and gas facilities and toppled 33 platforms off the coast of Louisiana, causing significant disruptions in production and at the pump, it was felt. The oil industry lost about 12 million per day in the days following Andrew and 4 million daily by three weeks later. Um, so, I mean, it's tragic. I, you know, we, we've seen these types of storms. I was in Georgia when Katrina hit. It's, I, these, we've seen these way too often. And it's never good. See, I've gotten lucky being from Florida, but living in Tampa. And Tampa has not been hit by a major hurricane, knock on wood. They got close last year. 
in over a hundred years. That hurricane last awesome. year, that hurricane last year took the exact same route as Hurricane Charlie in 2004. But this one was a worse storm because it, it went south and absolutely just destroyed Fort Myers. Clear made its way all the way across right. the state. No, not Clearwater. Clearwater is part of Tampa Bay. Oh. So it's been over 100 years since Tampa Bay has been hit by a major hurricane. They got they got hit a couple years ago. There's one that started down in Miami and moved up the state. And when it got to Tampa, it was still technically a Category 1 hurricane. But it wasn't too big of a deal. But the one last year was brutal. Yeah. Um, Storm surge was, was horrible. That? I can't remember the name of that one. It was last it was last late last September. Yeah. End of the and season. Yeah, because we went down to Florida like two weeks later. Cause we stayed at the beach in Tampa down in St. Pete. But it's it's getting crazy. The hurricanes are nuts, but I mean the storm surge is what's so bad now. They seem to be making the houses better. They're stronger. They're they're withholding a lot more you know, support for the houses. But when that storm surge happens, man, and you live on an island, there's nothing you can do. I'm a little concerned about what's going to happen to Miami if a big hurricane comes through there anytime soon because, like, normal rainfall is flooding that city. So I can't imagine when a hurricane comes through. It's going to be the next Katrina. Well, I think it's uh, it's time to raise the mood back up after two tragedies. We covered so uh, I only, I only got one question for you too. Who's we turn got three tragedies coming up? It's okay. Who who's well whose turn whose turn is it? That means it's my turn. That means it's my turn. Mm. Let's go to Timmy's Trivioki. Figaro, 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 Figaro. That's not that's not Tosca. Ugh, my ears. My back. Yep, yeah, I remember. Everyone remembers when Elvis performed that. I do appreciate that whoever put that clip together found the fattest version of me and that in there. Thank you, thank you to that person. <laughs> All right, song number one, clue number one. Remember, August 1992. Written by the band's lead vocalist and asshole, Axl Rose. The power ballad. November in- Rain. God, correct. Hmm. Yes! Wow. It's forever. In the cold November Rain. Stephanie Seymour was in this video. She was. And mm, she was doing so it with Axel at the time. Morose. They were engaged. I wonder how much hairspray they used as a couple. All of it. More by him. They bought stock in White Rain. Correct. Because they were racist. Mm. Spray you with White Rain. <laughs> Song number two. Clue number one. The music video for the song features Bobby Brown dancing outside with women in cages with cut scenes of a girl trying to break into his phone and per- my prerogative. 
No, no that's too. Which old. is weird because she was trying to break into his apparently payphone that he had in his apartment. I don't know what that's about. And break into his landline. To find his there? mistress in New York City. It's not Bobby my Brown ninety two. I know TJ doesn't know this, so it's all you're, up to me. You're, you're all right. right. It's Clue a, number two. It is a. It is rumored the song was originally titled "Fucking Around, Pumping Around." Late. Getting ready. I'm getting ready to say it. You know what's sad is when you when you read the hints, I don't know them, but as soon as I hear it, I'm like, oh yeah. All right, let's Amazon do this one. Prime this- Music find humping, find humping around. Got it. I do that all the time. I'll type in the internet. Find humping near me. And <laughs> find humping. Download. And Google Auto fills near me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> song, song number three. Clue number one. This is a song by British rock band Queen, released from the band's sixth album, News of the World, in 1977. Whoa. What's the name of their movie? Queen? Bohemian Rhapsody? Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. No. Oh. In 2011, a team of scientific researchers... We will rock you. Concluded this song was the catchiest in the history of pop music. We will rock you. Clue number three. It ended up on the charts here, possibly because of its use in the closing theme of the original Mighty Ducks. We are the champions. We are the champions. We are the champions. Oh, that's sad. love it. We'll keep on fighting. We are the champions. We are the champions. The loser literally sings it. How do we not have time? Right. That's the end of my turn. That's the end of your turn. That's the end of my turn. So now it's Dave's turn. What? Do, what? Do, do, Producer, do, hit the clip. Do we? Have, thank you. Some. That's somebody said. Yeah. Oh, it's time for Dave's face. Have you seen it? You slipper the hot beef injection.
just want to say that for Dave's faves intro, the last person I expected to see was Clay Matthews. Yeah, yeah it was weird. Yeah. yeah, totally should have been Jameis Winston. What movie was he? What movie was he in? I would love to see Jameis Winston in. Uh, what is it? Was the name of that movie? Pitch Perfect. It, Pitch it would Perfect. never. The the movie would never get released because he'd steal the camera. Fat Amy. Uh, she was so hot. Hey, Let's what? do this. All right, four movies, like always. Mm. Varied points, like always. L- yes. Listen closely. Our first movie this week grossed more than $159 million at the box office on a budget of $14.4 million. This is an American Western film. Tombstone. In Big Whiskey, Wyoming, a cowboy, quick Mike slash prostitutes Delia Fitzgerald's face with a knife Permanently disfiguring her after she laughs at his small penis. Oh, that retired old turn. west <laughs> <laughs> retired old west gunslinger William Money reluctantly takes one last job with the help of his par- old partner Ned Logan and a young man, the Ned. Schofield Kid. This film won four Academy Awards: Best Picture and Best Director for Star Clint Eastwood. Uh, Unforgiven. 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 It was one of the stories I missed the cut. That's cheating. I know. You well, you should have got it, stupid face, Timmy. I was trying to say it, I couldn't remember. I've never seen it, but I'm intrigued now by the story. Yeah, small penis, he's in. Cut faces and small penises and speaking my language. How many points did he get for that? Point three. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) One point for Timmy. Here we go. With a budget of $16 million, our second movie this week raked in more than $84.1 million at the box office. Okay. That's good. Movie number B is an American psychological erotic thriller. Basic Instinct. Recently estranged, Allison Jones begins to rent an apartment to Hedra Carlson. Uh, after oh, single one female. female. I got it. DJ gets it. Seven points. <laughs> <laughs> this movie. I'm pretty sure I beat him too. Just no, you didn't. Go back and listen to it. Movie number C should be added to the clip because it is one of Dave's faves. Mm. Our third movie this week grossed more than $29 million. Big bucks. On a budget of $2.5 million. Well, okay. Good. I'll take it. Listen closely. Okay. Movie number C is an American martial arts comedy film. Each year, three brothers visit their grandfather for the summer. He is highly skilled in New oh. and for years has trained the boys in his techniques. The boys' names are Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum. Three ninjas? Yes. Three ninjas, yeah, Timmy! It Damn it. I couldn't remember the name of it. Haven't seen it. I'm giving it to TJ just because. You should. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy leads two to one. But in the point total, I'm losing by like six and a half points. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Our last movie this week 
grossed more than $8.4 million at the box office. Yikes. And received mostly negative reviews. I'm excited. Shocker. Movie number four is an American adult animated comedy film. Baby's Kids. Baby's Kids. Boom. DJ pulling it out. You get double points for that. Of course he does. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? <laughs> I love Baby's Kids. DJ now leads 47 to point three seven. I was going to say Cool World. but I lo- Oh, that would have been a good guess. I love Baby's Kids, though. I love that movie. So we'll put the score tied. Two two, not bad, boys. That was good. That was good. Hey, we didn't miss any. That's a good one. Yeah, that's the first time. I think, I think we. I don't think we've ever done where we got all of them. It's pretty good. Nineteen ninety two, solid year. Yeah, Baby's pretty good kids. music. I want to go back and watch that now. Pretty good music. Pretty good in movies. Let's see how they did in wrestling. If we're right, we're gonna watch WWF superstars. This is August fifteenth. 1992, if you want to watch on the Pacock, your announcers are Mr. Perfect and Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Match one. We start the show off hot as a baby-faced big boss man comes running to the ring with that great theme song to take on former guests. If you ever take a trip down to Cobb County, Georgia. Cobb County. Yeah, he's going to take on former guest of our other show, Legends Let's Rethink This, Steve Kern, a.k.a. Skinner. And you can find that show on our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash filter free. I think next month we should have the boss man on. He's dead for a long time now. Oh. Even with the boss man still being on top here, since he's attacked by nails, boss man has lost a substantial amount of weight from what we saw in the late 1980s. I've mentioned before that boss man was one of my favorites as a kid. And this was around the time I really started to become invested, even though I started watching in 89. This was a good opening match, and it should have been with uh, should have been with Bossman and Steve Kern. Bossman hits the Bossman slam and gets the win. So this match was Bossman's return match after Nails beat the shit out of him with a nightstick and is before SummerSlam over in Wembley. So why is Bossman not facing Nails on that card? Nails went on to face Virgil, and the Bossman was left off it. Where's Boss the man. story behind Nails and Virgil? Bossman's uh, billy club couldn't pass customs. Mm. They wouldn't face each other until their nightstick on a pole match at Survivor Series some three months after this. As Alyssa would say, but why? It's a great question and a great reference. Thank you. You might want to feel Alyssa. Follow her on Twitter. But yes, why Alyssa? Should. At follow but, but why Alyssa. Alyssa. At but why Alyssa. You'll yes, love you it. Yes, you shouldn't. She's hilarious. And follow at my name is Steve, our artist. Yes. He is also hilarious. And a sexy mm. voice. Mm. Good day. Good you day. See his penis. Mm. Handsome, <laughs> well lotioned, moisturized. He looks great down under. Undercarriage. Mr. Perfect says the boss man is in the best shape he's seen him. This mofo has already sweated through his shirt. I mean, he's still a large man, but he looks good compared to what he was looking like in 89. I never realized that Skinner's outfit had one long sleeve and one short sleeve. What was the gimmick that the gator bit his sleeve off? No, the short (laughs) sleeve is probably for noodling. What? Yeah. Noodling is when you stick your arm in the catfish hole and pull out catfish. 
Indiana Fatty? Is that no, it's actually it's very popular in Missouri. Oh. Missouri. Missouri. Because Missouri. Of course they do that shit. Great at noodling there. Masterful job of cheating here by Steve Kern. Love it. He's got the gator claw and he's hiding it from the ref. And guess what? The referee is able to position himself so he can't see the damn thing. So it actually looks like cheating. Tony Khan, listen to our podcast. You don't mean he was just staring at it the entire time? You shouldn't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Boston wasn't blading in the camera. Yeah. (laughs) Now, Mr. Perfect is discussing which corner he will be in at SummerSlam 92. And this is in reference to the WWF title match between Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior. Then we go over some people we will see on this episode, which includes Kamala, Money Incorporated, and The Undertaker. I wonder how a heel Ultimate Warrior gimmick would have worked. I think seeing Warrior turn at SummerSlam and win the match against Savage would have spiced up business for the WWF back in 92. Well, if you Why is Vince you- so afraid of heels? If you wanted to know, you probably could have asked anyone backstage in WWF in 1992 because that was where he was really a heel. Yeah, but could you imagine had Warrior won it at SummerSlam and say he held it all the way to WrestleMania and then lost that belt to Bret Hart? He had to quit three times before then. See, this that would have been WrestleMania three. nine. So, would you have him lose to Bret, or would you have him lose to Yoko at some point? No, because if he's a heel, then I'd have put Yoko the Ultimate beat, Warrior. Yoko could have beat Bret at SummerSlam the following year or something, and they could have right. set up the rematch for. Well, I'd have put the, the Ultimate Warrior in the Jim Duggan spot where Yoko just, just sat on him. And made him bleed. <laughs> well, here's the great part of Ultimate Warrior's career. We'll never know because he was released before Survivor Series. <laughs> That's what I said. He had to quit three times for then. Yeah. Match two Kamala with Kim Chi and Harvey Whippleman take on Joe Exotic. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's Joe <laughs> Steele. Same I, thing. Yeah. I think I know who's going to win this match. Looking at Kamala and how he moves and works, there is still a place in wrestling for Kamala in 92. If they ever updated the character, which is still the same as when Sugar Bear Harris started doing the gimmick in 1984, if you're wondering who that is, that was Kamala before he was Kamala, it was Sugar Bear Harris. I understand he's from the deepest, darkest parts of wherever the hell they said, but after eight years in the U.S., and mind you, he'd already had a main event run with Hogan in the 80s, how are we not able to teach him some English and get him some shoes? And want to. I blame Kim Chi. Kamala gets the win. Leave the Brooklyn Brawler alone. <laughs> Vince making it seem like Kamala was a cannibal here is so silly now. Yes. As an adult. The WWF really was for kids in this era. Absolutely. Yes. Completely. Sure. And they My got God. us, by the way. They got yeah, us. All three of us are right now doing talking about it. How different would wrestling be if they still had squash matches and saved the stars facing off for each other at big shows and pay-per-views? I mean, probably, probably lower ratings during more, the week, but, but more money, but better buy rates. Yeah. yeah. Better buy rates for the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know Kamala once claimed the undertaker got $500,000 for their match at SummerSlam and Kamala only got 13,000. I have I heard that. that. I, buy no, that. I have a hard time believing 1992 undertaker got a half a million dollars for a match. Not in this era. No way. Mm, maybe Wembley Stadium. Doubt it. 
We need to we need Doubt to find it. that curmudgeon Bret Hart and see what he made off that match. Next, legends, let's rethink this. Bret Hart. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure he's game. Kamala, not quite what we saw of him in some of those Mid-South shows, but he still does great gimmick work. His gimmick works. It, the savage gimmick always works. Again, I just, I just wish he would have updated it somehow. I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but so well, he did. His penis didn't pop out anymore. <laughs> Shout out to Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> now we're at the event center, brought to you by Ica Pro with Sean Mooney. Yeah. We're leading up to the now famous SummerSlam '92 Wembley Stadium, and one of the action-packed matches is Crush versus the Repo Man. <laughs> Crush versus Crusher Khrushchev or even Crush versus Smash would have been something. This is trash, and I don't blame Barry Darso. We will also see Kamala versus The Undertaker. Also, SummerSlam of 92 was on Monday, August 31st, which I never realized. All the SummerSlams were on Mondays up until, like, 94. Really? Yeah. Hmm. That's weird. 1992 promos were really crappy, though. They were, they were, they were garbage. Terrible. When we come back, Kim Chi is still trying to get Kamala out of the crowd because we've because he's terrible. That. He just went into the ra- he just ran out of the ring into the crowd after the match was over because that's what you do. <laughs> match two: The Undertaker with Paul Barrow set to take on Chris Duffy, but Kamala and Undertaker meet in the aisle on the way. We do have a stare up, but no contact. Here's the entire match: There's a thrust punch, a sidewalk slam, a clothesline, and a tombstone. Chris Duffy won. I mean, Undertaker won. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be some shit? Chris, by the way, Chris Duffy did all those things, not Undertaker. <laughs> Chris Duffy squashes the Undertaker. So Undertaker and Kamala have beef, but don't throw hands here. Yes. Make this make sense. Well, all right. Well, you had kimchi in between them. And Paul Bearer with the urn. And Paul Bearer had the urn. So the urn always controlled the Undertaker. In Undertaker's point. face, so he couldn't see Kamala. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there, there's no way. I don't care how big that urn is. You can't see that or miss that fat ass. <sighs> what funny. is Chris Duffy wearing? He looks like he accidentally turned into Adrian Adonis. Does he looks matter? like if Jerry Lawler was in Memphis and lost his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Probably happened a couple times. A teenage. Never mind. Really good foreshadowing in the pre-match here. I liked it. I thought the meeting in the aisle was cool. Oh yeah, especially in '92 because you didn't get that a whole lot, and that match didn't take long. Let's move on. I loved no. it. Up next, we have a commercial for a show called Body Stars every Saturday at 10 a.m. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the premise of this show is. It's bodybuilding. It's Ico Pro. No, it's not. This was a different show. Oh, find out the who, what, when, where, and why about today's active lifestyles on Body Stars. What does that it's mean? about the fit, the famous, the fun in the sun, plus so much more. It's the show that shapes the 90s. It's Body Stars every Saturday morning at 10. I'm pretty USA. sure it was a vehicle for Ico Pro. So, no, that it started as that, but it didn't make it. That show, Body Stars, the WBF Body Stars didn't make it. So, they tried another Body Star show just showing fit people doing shit. So, the, that's the whole what premise, I watch. The whole they premise of the show is, is they, you know, hey, let's get a commercial on a, a wrestling show. And so, we can be like, hey, Chubbs. You want to see some attractive people do stuff on the beach Saturday morning at 10 a.m. 
<laughs> you can put that hoagie down and find the remote, you fat shit. <laughs> we come back from Body Stars. Here comes WWF champion Randy Savage. It still baffles me that here's the WWF champion, Randy Savage. Five months later, he'd become mostly a color commentator until he left for WCW in 1994. Savage was three months shy of being 41 years old here. As we know, he wrestled for WCW until 2000. Savage discovers SummerSlam when out comes Mr. Perfect. Perfect is talking about how he's negotiating with Savage and the Warrior about whose corner he will be in for their title match. He leaves with a cliffhanger about whose corner he will be in. Mind you, Perfect is still a heel here. Yeah, this was the last role Randy Savage in the WWF. Once he dropped the title, he went to the announcer's booth. He, he had a match with Crush at WrestleMania 10, that False Count Anywhere match, and that was pretty much all she Qu- wrote. Quick drop-off. Yeah. You go yeah. from being champ and the best in the world to Your Crush. Not yet, no, go, go to the booth. Wing Eagle belt looked good here. I miss those belts, man. But he I, wore it. But I still think – I still would have liked to have seen – Savage turn or not Savage Warrior turn heel here and win the belt and get a run as a heel champion and see how it would have worked. I think that would have benefited the WWE. Well, like shit because he got fired before Survivor Series. <laughs> well, I mean, they would have gone terribly. Obviously, they would have not fired him for his steroids if he was champion. They would have worked around it, but I, I think sure. that's why probably he didn't get the championship. But I'm not understanding why they're using Mr. Perfect to create the friction here. Like they needed something perfect to do. This is what they, need, they needed a heel in the match. Yeah. So let's put Mr. Perfect in there. It's dumb. It's convoluted. How do you have Ric Flair leave him off the card in Wembley? Was that that was when he was going through his dementia or not dementia? Dementia. Not, he's going through <laughs> dementia. He's going through dementia now. Um, his what it? Uh, what is it? The Oh, yeah, Vertigo. Oh, Vertigo. Yeah. Because he was there. He was yeah. there, but he didn't wrestle on the card. Match three, and I swear to you, I'm not making any of these names up. Tim McNeevy and Jerry Seavey. Show me that smile again. <laughs> take on Money Incorporated with Jimmy Hart. I'll take another living on a... What? Growing pains, right? I the don't CV, the CV fan. No, Seaver. Never mind. <sighs> Stupid. Jeez. It's messing with my head that the other team names are McNeevy and CV. Show me that smile. Stop it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> IRS reminds us that if we filed extensions, it's time to pay up. Thank you. Money Incorporated is preparing to face the Legion of Doom at SummerSlam. In the middle of the match, we get a promo from Paul Entering and his hand puppet, Rocco. While I was watching Rocco talk, DiBiase throws a million-dollar dream on one of the jobbers and gets the win. I love the touch of DiBiase putting money in the mouth of the fallen opponent and IRS taking the back. That was fantastic. So Money Eek had just dropped the belts to natural disasters here. True. And would win the belts back in October. It blows my mind that the only title DiBiase ever won in the WWF was the tag team titles with Iron. Incorrect. He had a million dollar title. I'm going to punch him in the throat. No. He totally shouldn't have got a, he should have gotten a run with that championship after buying it from Andre. Yes, I agree. Well, he did for like 
22 hours. Dumb. Dumb. I love the jobber tag team names rhyme. That was that was my whole takeaway. McNeevy and CV. And by the way, what what is W? I mean, I know we're catering to kids here, but they're like, hey, take that Wall Street Journal out of Paul Ellering's hand and give him a hand puppet. <laughs> what? He, That'll get LOD over. Because he clearly can't do <laughs> ventriloqu- uh, ventriloquism. And also, where is LOD? What a rush. I like how they take his they take his face off the camera and it's just a dummy so he can sit there and talk. Yeah. So Rocco's talking because the camera's right on Rocco's face. So obviously Ellering's sitting there just doing normal talking. Stupid. And I, I was just getting ready to rip apart Bruce Pritchard for that, but he wasn't even there. Nope. I wasn't there. That, well, I wasn't even there. It was Owen. This was his global days. So we're back with Sean Mooney as we discuss more SummerSlam most matches as we will see Virgil and Nail. Oh, boy. Here comes a Virgil promo. <laughs> oh, God. Tatanka is set to square off against the Berserker with Mr. Fuji. What is going? This card sucks ass so far. And also, Berserker spoke. Why is he talking? By the way, you were jerking off this card earlier, so enjoy that. Well, I'm I'm learning that um, it was really a rematch card. After that, it was shit. Tatanka's hands don't match his words, like, at all. He's just doing this. Berserker! I'm going to fight you. Husk. Husk. At husk, SummerSlam. Husk. <laughs> it's like he's one of those robots in front of a door. He's just always. I got a kick out of Virgil not saying the word hell. Now, <laughs> I'm mad as I, I'm not even going to say it. What you did to boss man. <laughs> uh, good Jesus. You can say hell. You're getting ready to, to, to wrestle. Good in, in the- Jesus. He's going to wrestle an escaped convict, and you're not going to say the word hell. And he, and at the end, he goes, you won't beat me at SummerSlam because I'm too legit to quit. Yes. Okay. But <laughs> he didn't even do the hell. He did, he did scissors. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> to like should have won the belt from Rick cut it out. Scissors. Too legit to cut it out. He won Dave Coulier <laughs> in his promo. Tataka should have beat Flair for the belt instead of Brett. I'm just wrong. Saying. Oh my you, lord, is that wrong? You, you, I don't know. Sorry, I mentioned Dave Cooley. I, I apologize. Mm. This would be the jobber portion of the event center. By Both the way. of them have been the jobber portion of the event center. And Tataka talked with his hands a lot. It's it's. And again, he's just he's just an assembly line of he does this. He does one arm across and then both hands two over. Arms, uh, he, he's like he's like he's like the lady in the little box that's doing sign language when you're watching church on Sunday <laughs> mornings on television. <laughs> he's like at a, a all you need is Tatanka down there. He's like at a child's camp that's learning how to swim. He's got the whole world <laughs> in his hands. He's got the whole wide world. It is hands. <laughs> I, I listen. Nothing against Tatanka, and he was over all three of us as kids. But when you go back and watch this promo, you're like, "What were we doing? What What did we see in this man? He was terrible talking." I did not see anything in him. By the way, you're a liar. Up next, we see Gene Okerlund with the SummerSlam report. Oh, more event center. Great. What has Mooney been doing this whole time? Is this not a SummerSlam report? 
I, I thought that, yes, uh, I, I assumed that was what we were doing here, but... I'm going to go back and watch this SummerSlam now. I bet it's epic. Well, I mean, Once you get wait. past Virgil and Nails and Berserker and Tatanka, I'm sure it's great. Well, Crush and Repo is going to oh, kill. Crush and Repo, that's a five-star match in anyone in the world. Gene tells us about the main event is WWF champion Randy Savage will take on the Ultimate Warrior, even though Bret Hart and British Bulldog will actually headline the show for the Intercontinental title. In one of the best SummerSlam matches of all time. Now we get a promo with Diana Hart. What are we doing? Oh, Diana. Hey, girl. What's up? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Dave's mm. girlfriend's here. Damn it, Dave. Mm. She's a worse actress than she is a model. Oh, I love Diana Hart. Strong promo, Bulldog. You're coming. Not, not to lose. To lose? I might draw, but I won't what? lose. Terrible. And then Brett also going to not lose. Apparently no one wants to win this match in the UK. Well, here's the thing. Like, I understand they're playing the family angle and showing Diana being distraught, but they're not in a feud. This isn't a cage match or a falls kind of anywhere match. It's just a title match. You know what they're fighting over? Hmm. Stop it. What is she upset about? Bulldog would win the match, then drop the title on November 14th to Shawn Michaels at Saturday night's main event 31, then was released, signing with WCW in January of 1993. Up next is the Beverly Brothers with the genius as they discuss their upcoming SummerSlam match with the National Disasters for the WWF Tag Team title. The craziest part of this promo to me, Typhoon is a giant, and Earthquake somehow is bigger. I've met Typhoon. He's he's not that big. I mean, he's big. He's not that big. Settle down. Well, not anymore. He was big then. <laughs> well, correct. He, he's, all, he's like 65 now. He's 64 pounds. He's not that big. Speaking right. of 65, John Tenta here, 29 years old. He looked every bit of 45. They should have sent him to the booth at 29. I love John Tenta, though, <laughs> so I will never not enjoy watching his matches. Up next is a promo from Kamala Shark. The, the, no, the shark was awful, and Avalanche and all those shit. Baby did. Pretty much, shark, do, 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 baby shark, do, 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 do. You're fired off the show just for that. Mommy shark. So this is really sad. We did our first episode with Premiere, and we're done. Sorry, everyone. Timmy's fired. We can't do the show anymore. <laughs> Up next is a promo shark. from... Stop it. Kamala, Kimchi, and Whippleman, even though Harvey is the only one who talks. I can't wor- hear a word he said over Kamala's screeching. Up next is a promo setting up the match between Rick Martell and Shawn Michaels. Now, I bet that was good. We have a face versus face match and a heel versus heel match on this card. How bizarre is that? Yeah. In retrospect, these two with Sherry could have actually made an interesting tag team. And I don't mean that in a gross way. It's just (laughs) Shawn and I don't know the way she was dressed. With Sherry. Match four, Jim Powers takes on Razor Ramon. Razor has been with the company since May, and Jim Powers, I don't know if you guys remember this, was one of the WCW youngsters they were featuring in 1996 with Joe Gomez, Alex Wright, and the Renegade. Jesus Christ. Jim Powers was nearly 35 years old here. (laughs) In here, in 92. In 96, he'd have been 39. So when WCW was pushing (laughs) his youth movement, he was pushing 40. (laughs) Powers gets some offense in, but not as much as Razor as he hits the Razor's edge for the win. 
Yeah, I was just watching that old WCW episode and saw the new young team that included Jim Powers. And then I watched some 1988 wrestling on WWF primetime, and he was a member of the Young Stallions, and I just laughed. He had been with WWE since 1984. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched him in some of those uh, 86 challenge matches. So when he uh, WCW decided to push the youngster, he'd only been on national television for 13 years. <laughs> and they didn't. What, push what him a young fine though. youngster he was. They it's got like the Tito Santana. Out of him by the Dungeon of Doom. Yes, they did. It's like yeah. when uh, Tito Santana was with Rick Martel in Strike Force, and they talked about the young upcoming tag team of Strike Force, and Tito was 48 at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Razor Ramon would definitely be a champion in today's WWE. Absolutely. I think he should have gotten a run at the top. I agree. He could have been the one that beat Diesel. Mm. Bret Hart sucks. Powers got very little offense and for good reason. Some say Mr. Perfect. Others say Roddy Piper. But Razor Ramon is the best of all time that never got that top title in WWF or WCW. Well, him and Viano number four. What you, you typed Viano number yeah, five? Yeah, definitely five. Type five, but you said oh. four, or maybe Silver King was pretty good. I like Goldust actually for that, legitimately for that conversation. Uh, I still got to go with Rock Chavo Guerrero. I'm going with Kerwin, Kerwin White, Kerwin White, Blacktop Bully. <laughs> They're not even in WWF. Oh. But I really thought Jim Powers had been long gone from WWF at this point, so I was nope. shocked to see him here. Razor, so smooth in the ring. Jesus. Hey, I know it would uh, really compliment this match. Let's go back to the event center with Sean Mooney as he discusses SummerSlam some more. Now it's time for Crutch's rebuttal of the Repo Man. I see what's going on here. Oakland gets the main eventers, while Mooney gets Repo Man and Crush and Virgil. Up next, nothing is money better Inc. than a crush promo, brother. Brother, brother. I mean, he, he. I mean, but if you listen to it, he was like talking about crushing the skull. I'm like, what is going on here? You can't say that. There's kids <laughs> hey. watching this. <laughs> Calm down. He's the original bloodline. We re- what? Brian yeah. Adams. Yeah, original bloodline. Hawaiian brother. You do realize that Hawaiian and Samoan are two different things, right? Close enough. Sure. Up next is Money Inc. As they say that what they're going to do to the Legion of Doom and DiBiase says there's no stakes except who will be the number one contender for the WWF tag title. Um, in- interesting tactic. Like, hey, our match means nothing. Okay. And this promo is how we go off the air. Awesome. Lots of event centers on this show. Should have been just called WWE Event Center. Repo Man and Crush is really sad, though. Those two used to be teammates. It's the breaking of a team. Here the comes the Crush. Here comes the Smasher. <laughs> the demolition. Walking disaster. If you enjoy Dave singing your favorite tunes of the 80s, please let us know. Review, rate, and subscribe wherever you get this podcast. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at FFPopcast. On Instagram at Filter Free Podcast and follow the network at Filter Free Net. As for us, you can find us on our social media platforms at 
Timmy C. At Timmy C. 1979. Dollar Bill Dave. Right now it's at Dave in the QC, but that will be changing soon to Dave in the RC. Mm, very soon. And I am at T. Stevens 91, and that's going to stay that way because it's my name. Next week, we cover WWF Old School from August 7th, 1976. Gerald Ford Ugh. gets nominated. The White Sox wear gray shorts. The NFL heads to Japan and so much more. This has been the Filter Free Podcast and so long for now. Joke of the week. What do you call two guys hanging on a window? I don't know. Curtain rod. <laughs> We were good, we were cold, kind of dream that can't be so. We were right, till we were built a home and watched it burn.